0: In this episode, I'll speak with Dr. Renee Tucker. She is a doctor of veterinary medicine and will discuss holistic veterinary care as well as the technique she developed called the Tucker Biokinetic Technique. We also have a conversation about how to prevent suspensory issues. And I've actually never heard anyone talk about suspensory issues in the way that she does. So suspensory issues are a really common problem Uh, With horses, Uh, so I think you're going to find this really interesting. She also has uh, many resources uh, where you can learn more, so I think you're going to enjoy this. Here we go, episode 25. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy when we show up as our best selves for our horses our horses will show up for us so let's get started so i'm here with dr renee tucker uh, she is a holistic veterinarian certified in chiropractic and acupuncture. Uh, she also has a bachelor's degree in bioengineering, and so has been fascinated with figuring out how things work. And over many years, Dr. Tucker's uh, developed her own unique alignment technique called the Tucker Biokinetic Technique, TBT. And this uses primary cause analysis to both find and correct the why. So, Dr. Tucker teaches um, biokinetic technique seminars around the world. And for more information on what she does and the TBT University, you can go to tuckerbiokinetic.com. So, thank you, uh, Dr. Tucker, who's given me permission to call her Renee. So, hi, Renee. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. It's always great chatting with you. So, this will be really fun.
0: Awesome. So I wanted to start out, I, I noticed on your bio, you said you grew up in a Chicago suburb and never owned a horse. <laughs> yeah, so how did your fascination with horses begin?
1: I don't know. Isn't that funny? I feel like a lot of horse people like myself are born with the horse bug because Chicago and I have lots of relatives and nobody's got a horse and I just had a, this, this, horse thing and I remember I would go to the library and get um horse books like you know horse stories of course um but uh, Trixie Belden I don't know if anyone remembers Trixie Belden she had horses she solved mysteries um but I also get horse anatomy books and I remember being like 11 and just just memorizing it because I just felt like I should you know you look back you know, particularly when you have kids, you're like, oh, look at that. That was a sign. You know? But no, I was kind of clueless that, you know, veterinary would be my path till later, but I always had the horse bug. It
0: just came that way. Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah. 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 I think many of the listeners uh, can relate to the horse bug. Yeah. I, my parents say that, you know, my first words were, I want a horse, <laughs> you know, then mom, then dad. <laughs> yeah. They are. It's a powerful draw. Um Yeah. So you consider yourself a holistic vet. So can you explain uh, what you feel is the difference between a traditional veterinarian and a more holistic approach? Sure. Sure. I'd love to, particularly because when I was in vet school,
1: I thought holistic was like the same thing as homeopathy. I literally totally (laughs) interchange those in my head. And finally, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't think this is right. And so I figured that one out slowly but surely. So homeopathy is a modality using like homeopathic remedies, uh, whereas holistic, it kind of means whole horse, which, you know, that's fair enough as a definition. Um, And then sometimes people think of it as um, that they just use herbs rather than traditional medicines, which Mm -hmm. maybe they do, maybe they don't. But to me, a holistic practitioner is someone who's looking at not only the whole horse, but, and not only what's going on with a particular symptom, say something that hurts, but rather, why is it hurting? I mean, it becomes obvious when the horse, you know, falls down, then you know why things are hurting, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes the item that's hurting, so you have lower back pain, well, for example, I know. A lot of people who have lower back pain, but they figured out with, you know, good doctors that actually they had a knee problem. Their knee was Mm -hmm. hurting. So they're walking a little funky and then their back starts hurting. So my point being, you know, good doctors and holistic veterinary practitioners often look not only at the whole picture, but the why, what's the real primary cause. And they trying to dig through, peel the onion, if you will, um, and get down Mm -hmm. to that primary cause. So that's what I love about doing it, though. It's kind of
0: fun, kind of like a little detective work. Yeah, yeah, and especially with the horses, you know, where they can't, you know they they tell you, but they can't really tell you, you know <laughs> where right. they feel the pain. you've got to really get investigative.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, so I think that's, um, you know, it's really interesting to think about all the different modalities. So in the one way you've 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 got all these different ways to approach a problem that you see um and then that so there's sort of a breadth of what you can you know use to help heal a horse but then there's also that depth of let's not just treat that surface thing that I'm seeing and how do you get down to the down to the other layers is there some sort of um do you kind of like wing it on each horse or is there a certain sort of I tend to look at it with these eyes first and then these eyes second is is there a, a system to how you look at the horses when you have a problem gosh that is a good question <laughs> um
1: you know and i think for sure winging it is part of it i've been doing it over 25 years now so sometimes gut instinct really kicks in and you're like oh i've seen this before you know and then you kind of know which way to go um, but mostly I start by listening to the people and what they're seeing, because I really feel like horse owners know they just have a gut instinct. Sometimes they don't want to tell me at first. It's kind of interesting. But I really mm-hmm. believe that horse owners have a gut instinct and they either can see the problem or they just feel the problem. And I think sometimes it's a little hard to even describe when you have those subtle offnesses or subtle stuck or won't bend or just like
0: not not quite rightedness yes (laughs) yes, exactly
1: right yeah so for those um what I generally start with is what I call the wiggle I um basically I have videos on my website if anyone wants to check them out um but I hold the horse's tail just over the tail head and then I put my hand along the lumbar and the thoracic so that's just the middle of the back Mm-hmm. And I pull and push at the same time. So I'm getting a wiggle because a horse should have it's technically a sinusoidal wave through the body. So, so sort of like a dog wags its tail and the whole body wiggles or even a snake moves. Okay. And we actually should have that too. Of course, we're vertical. Yeah, um, yeah. But the horse should have this nice wiggle through its whole body all the way up to the nose. And so I start there. I start to check both sides for the wiggle. Um, and then whether or not they can do that in in which sections are not wiggling really tells me so when people say the horse can't bend well I start asking well do you mean it can't bend in the neck can't bend through the Mm -hmm. shoulder and saddle area can't bend in the hind end lumbar you know a lot of times it's hard to tell particularly when you're riding it's just not working yeah and so if you do this wiggle on the ground then asking them can you bend rather than, won't you? You know, it gets a little confusing sometimes. Do they understand or can't they do it? Yeah. So I start there and that's something anybody can do. So then, you know, Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah.
0: To, so right. so you kind of seeing where, where the wiggle stops. Right. Where exactly. it locks.
1: Or if there's one at all.
0: Because <laughs> sometimes they're
1: kind of all stuck everywhere. And and sometimes yeah. if horses have had a fall, um, you know, they can be totally stuck on one side, but not the other. And I go, oh, there's a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And you can fix all that get all all aligned. It's nice. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Do you have a, um, do you tend to use like chiropractic or acupuncture or is it always a blend? Like, I'm always curious with people who are, um, like multilingual, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, cause you know, like how you see and go, this is a chiropractic, this is acupuncture. Do they all blend? And do you, do you also blend um, Western medicine in with it also?
1: Right. Um, Okay. So for me, I, I mean, as you already mentioned, I'm certified in chiropractic and acupuncture and other stuff. And for me, I just thought every one of these modalities helps and it seems to help some horses more than other horses. And I always thought that was weird. Like, why does this exact same problem that I solved with one horse with chiropractic not work on this horse with the exact same problem? It mm-hmm. always, it drove me crazy. It's kind of things that drove me crazy. Uh, it's kind of how I developed CBT, the biokinetic technique. So for at this point, I just do biokinetic technique myself. Occasionally I'll add some acupuncture because okay. some just do really well at that. And then certainly I work with a person's regular veterinarian, regular traditional vet, if they need other um, traditional medicines or x-rays okay. or whatever they need, I totally work together with them on that.
0: Awesome. So in a, is there a nutshell description of what the, the biokinetic technique is just because I think people can go, okay, I know what a chiropractor looks like. I know what an acupuncture right. does. Like what, is there a, Describe a, <laughs> like what to give people a As little a, picture and I'm, I'm sure yeah all right. good things all good things are hard to describe i think thank so. you
1: yes they are they're really hard um okay so biokinetic um, i named it that because bio means life and kinetic means both means both movement and energy mm. so um yeah it's i believe under the umbrella of energetical work so it's a two-handed technique though. So you're focusing on one thing similar to acupuncture points while you're trying to kind of coax things to move around. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that'll explain. I have, a, let me try that again. <laughs> Here's another oh, that's example. Okay, okay so um, with chiropractic, which I did for five years and it works fine. It's just that chiropractic, you um, adjust the bones and they're supposed to go back to where they're supposed to be. And then you're just kind of hoping, crossing your fingers, that everything else agrees with you. Mm -hmm. So like the tendons and ligaments and muscles and fascia and everything. Oh, yeah. But we're only talking to the bones, if you will, with chiropractic, again, which is fine. But with TBT, then we are um, cheating. <laughs> we are going into the the body and saying, Hey, everybody here, we're all going over here. And we're just coaxing and energetically working. And everyone's like, Oh, great. And so there's actually a neurophysiological reset. So the body's like, Oh, this is where we actually are going to stay. So you don't have muscle memory, and you don't have to have 50 million treatments. And you don't have the same thing happening over and over again, which used to drive me crazy as a chiropractic. Yeah. That- yeah. Just couldn't take it. I'm like, yeah. this isn't fixing anything. I mean, sometimes it does. I'm, I'm really not down in it at all. It's very helpful. It just, it just, just drives me crazy when I'd see the same exact chiropractic presentation on my client every month.
0: That's yeah. Nuts. And this is what, um, you know, the work that I do with trying to change the movement patterns of horses. And, you know, I found that this piece was, you know, so important because like you said the horse would get adjusted but then if they went out and moved the same way all the muscle memory all the it just goes right back so um so you know helping the horse and working with the horse to change the movement pattern is what I do and I think it's so interesting that it sounds like you're doing a similar thing just in a you know in a a different way you know i'm doing it online or writing or you know something like that but you're kind of doing it really in there in their neurology and and in that close connection with them in a very specific way it's really interesting right
1: that's exactly right and um yeah and just trying to do all that everything aligned and also just figuring out primary problems because I don't know if you ever noticed that sometimes you're working on a certain spot and the horse loves it and they just melt and like, yeah, it's right there. But other times they're like, Hey, don't work there. Ah, ah, quit quit And usually when they're doing that, you know, and I just want to press sometimes at first they don't understand and you try yeah. it a few times. Okay. But if they really, really still don't like it, that's probably not the primary problem. That's probably a really sore compensation.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Cause what I've, you know, learned and other people have said before me is that by the time we can feel any problem or see any lameness or offness, at that's the point when all the compensations are used up. Oh. So the compensation is then very, very sore. And it kind of makes sense, right? Because horses are designed to hide any problems, right? Or predators would target them. So they're like, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't pick me. <laughs> and so they're hiding all these little problems, and they automatically compensate. And so do we in our body. Which, you know, mm-hmm. We don't. That's the whole point of compensations is we don't know about them. Like our bodies are amazing, but it's only when we can't compensate anymore do we see or feel the problem. So
0: that is, yeah, yeah that's worth like putting a little pause in there. That the soreness, the biggest soreness we see is actually the compensation. Yep. Yeah, and it makes total. Not sense. always, but
1: most of the time. Yeah,
0: no, that that does make sense for some of these chronic problems that, you know, right. yeah, obviously, you know, the horse gets kicked in the leg, <laughs> you know, there's the problem. But I can <laughs> see this for the 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 you know that not quite rightedness going on for a long period of time, you know, and then down the road here's this other problem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, the it kind of reminds me you know as a as a trainer there's some common mistakes that I see people making from a training point of view um, that kind of relates to this idea you know and in dressage you know getting this excellent contact and connection is so important you know between the rider's hands and the horse's mouth getting this beautiful um, connection and often if there's a problem in the connection people just, go to the hands and they need some fancy rein technique. And so what I try to tell people is, you know, the, what's happening in the contact is just a reflection of what's happening in the body. So if you have a problem in the contact, you got to go to the body because the, what's showing up in the contact is, is the compensation, right? right it's right. the, all the brace, all the imbalance. And now you're in a sensitive part of sensitive and flexible part of the horse's body with our hands. That's where it's showing up, but you don't, necessarily try to fix it there so that's one of my biggest messages to people it's like if you have contact problems look at the body so um you know and i end up having to you know share that a lot because it's so counterintuitive and humans want to like just go right where the problem is so um is there something like that uh that you see in your practice that's like you know, that you, you want to just get the word out, like, you know, when you have this problem, you know, it's obvious to you now through all your practice that you want people to know.
1: Well, I do. But first, can I ask you a question? Sure. Because I love what you said. That totally makes sense to me that if there's a problem in the front, then you look to the body. But, but like, what do you tell people to look for? I mean, is there something they're supposed to feel? Or do you mean actually go look? (laughs) or do you mean?
0: Yeah. What do they do? yeah that's um it kind of goes in two layers one is a foundational layer which is um well the premise is what are the reins for and for me the reins are for subtle communication about the head at the end of the neck because you can't do that without reins very easily and um it's a point of connection to feel as one with the circuit of energy and it's to get information right? So if I have my reins there, my horse leans to the left, to the right, I'm going to feel stuff in my right rein. So my right rein goes, Hey, (laughs) horse's so for me, that's the purpose of the reins. So if you're using your reins as the number one aid for anything other than that, so um, contact problems can come from horses going faster than you want them to be going, (laughs) or not turning, right? International symbol for I wish my horse had turned. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and now they're all, you know, ah. your reins are like, ah, why is my horse hanging in that rain? Well, because you turned and your horse didn't. Um, so things like that. So those kinds of things can be assessed when you drop the reins, what things go wrong. My horse speeds up and doesn't turn. Okay. Well let's resolve that and get your horse regulating their speed from your seat and turning from your body and your focus. So that gets, to me, that gets their mind and their feet going in the same direction as you. So that already is going to eliminate a lot of contact problems. And then um, the next layer is more alignment, where if the horse, maybe their mind and their feet are going on the same line that you're going on, but they're crooked while they do it. Now we have to go through that exploration. And I kind of do a, a riding I do my version of the wiggle. So what I do is I check, can you move your horse's shoulders a little right and left, their whole body a little right and left, their nose a little right and left, and their butt a little right and left. And you find out what is easy for the horse and what's hard for the horse and whatever. And then you get in a more awareness about their core crookedness. And we start playing with doing like yoga moves of like, well, if you're over here, can we slowly in a very relaxed way end up in a position like this and breathe through it? And then I'll leave you alone until they learn to kind of reset. And then the horses tell us when they feel aligned, because then they start moving more freely and, and stuff like that. So I really have um, people assess and then experiment and not just go, you need your shoulder here. You know, I go, well, let's move it around and the body will seek harmony will seek alignment if you open up the possibilities for it
1: I think that's awesome
0: yeah so I think there, that's what there's some crossover with this yeah you know, totally. let's see what's moving yeah. and what's not and then try to open up somehow the place that's stuck
1: that's great
0: and so when yeah, they're I aligned like then the contact will be even even yummier <laughs> Yum. that's good <laughs> that's no, I love
1: cool. how you do that that's fantastic really yeah, yeah. And i see a you know over the long period of years lots of trainers like you just said like well your shoulder needs to be here and i need your head here i need this and then they're like frozen and then they're supposed yeah. to move yeah well okay, that ain't working um <laughs> but they're trying um hopefully you know definitely people listening to this are for sure trying i'm very excited because mm-hmm. you know your audience people love their horse and they listen to the horse it's fantastic so it's great
0: oh so sorry you asked me a oh, that's okay what was, that? Which was yeah, right. Is there like that's that's sort of my mess one of my biggest messages to the world that I have to keep yeah you know saying because it is counterintuitive Good. is there anything you know that's sort of your pet,
1: pet well okay I have many pets but <laughs> well, my current pet is uh actually suspensory issues mm. because I don't know if you know you realize that I forgot who figured this out, probably insurance people that, um, (laughs) well, suspensory injuries are the number two cause of injury. Wow. Um, Yeah. Number one is colic. I wouldn't call colic an injury per se, but um, that's what it is. Colic then suspensory issues. So it's very high. And um, particularly the fronts, but all suspensory injuries, in my opinion, can be prevented. Uh, Now I'm not talking about the kind where you're galloping through a field and the horse's leg falls in the hole. Yeah, Um, And there are no traumatic injuries, Right. but the chronic kind of, you know, gets blamed for overuse suspensory injuries. Guys, these can be totally prevented. Here's the key. It's similar to what we were talking about earlier in that. All right. Now the horse has got a sore suspensory. Maybe it's a little swollen, a little hot. Okay. So, call the vet. That's fine. Because at that point it needs attention. Mm -hmm. So then we have all those treatments that we can do for suspensory injuries and IRAP and PVP, all all, plenty of stuff. The question is why did that suspensory blow in the first place? Mm -hmm. So because I, you know, I'm a veterinarian, I treated lots of suspensories and then I do all this body work. I started, you know, connecting the dots of this horse with this suspensory injury has Dot, 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 all of these um, um, bodywork misalignments. I'm like, huh, mm. interesting, isn't it? That these have the exact same on all these yeah. horses. So long story short, I mean, it did take me while and had trial and error to make sure this is correct. But the key is the suspensory ligament is just a piece of the stay apparatus, right? Of the front limb. So the stay apparatus mm. is what keeps the horse standing up when they want to go to sleep, they just turn on the stay apparatus and then the Mm -hmm. whole front leg locks and they can sleep standing up. The suspensory ligament is just part of that. Mm. So what's really happening is the stay apparatus is not working right. And the suspensory kind of um, picks up the slack because it holds most of the horse's weight. Uh, It also has, um, you know, it's a ligament, but it actually has some muscle fibers in it. So it can get pulled a little easier than the rest of the stay apparatus. So oh, crazy, nice. right? So, yeah. um, what I found is if we just check mobility, uh, range of motion in three parts, pieces, items of the horse's yeah. leg, um, I call them fulcrums just because it's where uh, the ligaments kind of connect together and then change direction. That'd be the shoulder. Um, this accessory carpal bone, which is at the back of the knee. And then the sesamoids, which are the, at the back of the fetlock. Mm-hmm. What I found is in every horse I ever checked for suspensory injury, all three of those places were stuck.
0: Wow! Their,
1: their range of motion isn't moving. It, you know, that you, there should, all those should move a little bit in their normal range of motion. And so that's what I found. That's what I just want to tell everybody. It's like, guys, come on. If you just check these and get those fixed. Then they're not going to blow the suspensory
0: wow seriously wow.
1: that's the last thing the suspensory is the final straw that broke the camel's back
0: so, so if those other parts aren't moving yeah. then the suspensory takes all that yeah interesting
1: exactly. yeah now, There's a smitten more to it of course because depending if you've got contracted heels that's going to make right. stuff worse if you've got right. navicular you got a little more issue you know what i'm saying but the big major problem is actually the whole Whole stay apparatus has to be moving. What you might see or feel um, in, in your own horse or in training is as the horse brings their leg forward, and that very last little flip of the toe, mm-hmm. okay, right before that full extension, then that toe does a little extra flip. That little flip signifies that the whole leg is locking, okay, and then the leg lock, uh, lands. And that stay apparatus is solid. And that front leg actually acts as a pole vault. Okay, it's not pulling. I can tell you that, it's kind of fun. Okay, and then it just kind of (laughs) travels on, right? The hind ends doing all the work and it just bloops right over the front. But if you don't get that last little flip, that full extension through the shoulder and that last little flip, then your stay apparatus isn't working right. So sometimes you can video your horse and look for that.
0: Um, yeah that extra just looseness
1: yeah yeah that last That's little thing yeah little, yeah yeah so it's super cool and um we've been fixing lots of horses who have suspensory injuries because i've had horses where they are not fixing for like six months six months mm. in the stall or rehab and then start over and then oh it blows again and mm. all those times it's you gotta fix the whole thing not just yeah. the suspensory, but why was that suspensory? Yeah, because it's place.
0: very common. I mean, I think it's it's sort of common knowledge. It's like if your horse has ever blown a suspensory, it's going to do it again.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, it and horrible. it's sort of interesting because usually, I mean, I always thought that when f- fibers healed, they, you know, the scar tissue is sometimes stronger, you right. know? <laughs> So right. like, but that, what you're saying really explains it because the, if the original problem is not addressed that's right. why it's gonna exactly blow again so so yeah. fixing you know being aware of that and being able to correct it will help the suspensory heal because every step it takes is not taking that burden and help it not reoccur and yeah. hopefully prevent it in the first place right exactly interesting yeah is there a similar thing for the hind because hind suspensories. Is there a similar yeah. check that you do with that or?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Same, same basic uh, idea. They're a little bit more complicated because there's kind of more parts. Um, mm-hmm. Not that there's not more parts in the front leg, but, but <laughs> it actually involves seven things. If people are biomechanically in, you know, wanting to hear those pieces, it's the lumbar. Okay. Cause so, sorry, let me just start over again there, but you could play this if you like. No. So for the, Hind-end suspensory, what's usually happening, what's usually blamed is lateral movement, right? Too much lateral movement, hind suspensory blows. I hear this a lot. Mm-hmm. Not everybody says that, but that's what I hear. Okay. So in order to move the hind end laterally, you got to have to have working the lumbar, the sacrum, mm-hmm. the sacroiliacs, the pelvic symphysis, which is the bottom of the pelvis, uh, and then the hip and the siphon, the hoc. Just all those parts yeah right so so but again what happens is if all that's not in alignment what picks up the slack
0: the suspense mm-hmm. tree
1: and a lot of horses also with this whole picture is the sacroiliac a lot of si's are getting injected nowadays
0: yes yeah N-
1: not that that's bad because they're clearly hurting um but but why why mm-hmm. are they hurting because that's the whole picture so yeah there's a lot of pieces there, but again, it's aligning. And I'm sure that as you do that, um, I forget what you call it, but as they're moving and if they're trying to move laterally, but they can't get that hind end yeah. to really do it, then th- your work would also help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It all goes together. You, you said, um, do you have a video about this on your, your website? You um, said? Yeah,
1: I do. Um, I did make a, a free page for your people. <gasps> it's just a free video it's kind of a little bit long but it really explains everything um and that's at um, tuckerbiokinetic.com slash karen
0: thank you so much
1: sure totally free just you know hop over um and it really explains a bit more about all of that so you guys are welcome to to watch it hopefully awesome
0: all right so let's see another question for you um do you feel what that every horse can naturally go straight or aligned i always think about straightness as alignment but um yeah do you do what are your feelings on horses ability to be able to move
1: just go straight straight? i think they can all go straight yes i mean unless something is you know broken or injured right okay but so this just reminds me of a, a case i saw been a while ago now, but um, just a four-year-old horse, beautiful, warm-blood horse, who could not go straight. And at first they thought, well, you know, she's just growing, just going through these goofy periods and there's no training and she's just so squirrely and just will not go straight. And so finally, though, they're really actually trying to just do some groundwork and get her to go straight. and And she just won't. And they said, she just feels like a, like a wiggle worm under you. And no matter what you do, she won't stop it. Um, and so anyways, I worked on the horse and she had what I call our corkscrews through her whole spine. Now this is not an official term, but what I found was like the Atlas would be going twisted to the left, but then the occiput would be to the right. So these things are right next to each other and they'd be going these opposite ways, like a corkscrew. Interesting. So she had it at the head and then I think just behind her withers and the lumbar and four corkscrews through her whole spine. So that's in my opinion, she must have had some serious traumatic tumble down a hill type of thing to do that. Because yeah. usually if you're crooked to the right, it's kind of, it stays the same. The whole line is crooked. Yeah, yeah. Interesting but to have that, there was actually physiologically, she could not go straight because things were all twisted and she had no uh, baseline balance point, nothing. So we did align all the corkscrews and she was able to go straight. So,
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. It was very interesting. It really was enlightening because I couldn't believe it was that bad. And she was only four, you know, I would have thought too, well, she'll grow out of it, you know, yeah, warm yeah. bloods mature late. So But no, it was not that. She just couldn't go straight. Um, But I think they all can't eventually go straight. (laughs) There's plenty of reasons though, besides body work, of certainly training, certainly saddle fit, even if your feet are uneven, right? Mediolateral balance will mess you up. Teeth problems will mess you up. There's plenty of things to look for. So again, for me, it's always about finding that primary cause for that horse because they're all different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's so many times that, oh, you know, my horse is just like this. My horse is so heavy on his left shoulder. And, you know, I really um, try to get people to not, you know, don't call your horse that. No, I, I have a crooked horse. No, you don't. <laughs> like Unless they're, you know, unless they're born that way. But it's, you know, it's, can we get them to Function. I mean, from my point of view, I was like, can I find a way for them to function symmetrically, even if they don't look, you know, symmetric, you know, aren't symmetrical. And then probably what you do is really help unwind those asymmetries on the inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, none of us are perfect.
1: I'm not no. symmetrical, you
0: know. Oh, want to be where? <laughs> I've had X-rays of my back, and like the chiropractor goes and runs, gets his other chiropractor friends. and goes, you "No way." Yeah. Cause I have like a rotation.
1: Wow. I have a,
0: I have a weird, I have like a rotation and then it straightens and then it rotates back the same direction. And I have a scoliosis, but it's not an S curve. It curves, straightens, and then curves the same way again. I'm a mess. Dang. But I think dressage keeps me functioning. Right. But I have to really train myself because what is straight doesn't feel straight all the time. Right. And I have a body yeah, worker that. come in and like, keep me. Yeah. (laughs) Keep my fascia under control.
1: (laughs) That's cool. You probably really appreciate the (laughs) horses. Like, I'm not symmetrical. Help me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the game is, you know, start with what you have, see what, you know, focus on what you can do and try to open up the things that aren't moving gently and with cooperation. And, and that's where also it's so important to have have the cooperation of the horse because you can't you know I can't imagine like a you know a body worker or yoga teacher going okay well let's just tie your head here (laughs) you know while I poke you over here to get in the right you know asana I'm like no 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 we have to get cooperation and work with relaxation (laughs) and yeah, you know, when, oh, sure. from my perspective, from a training perspective, you know, cause I, I don't have the technique you have to be able to put my hands on and, you know, actually affect things, but I'm, I'm going to learn because <laughs> you, you have lots of resources yeah. for people. So maybe you can share a little bit about what resources are available um, where people can learn some of this and you know, I know you travel around, you know, back when we could I do. travel, yeah. <laughs> giving yeah. clinics and, and you have yeah. online offerings and the university. Yeah. So yeah, maybe yeah. give an idea of what you have. and okay. um, what um,
1: Well, it's still in progress. You know how that is. Everything's always, <laughs> always. <in progress. laughs> working on it. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote the book originally, Where Does My Horse Hurt? Uh, 10 years ago or something now. So I do have the website where does my horse hurt.com. And it's a little long, sorry. Um, but there's a lot of free articles there just for horse health, body work, just, you know, for information, if you just want to hop over there and start there. And then if you're interested in learning the technique, that's the Tucker biokinetic.com. And I have some YouTube videos on does my horse hurt.com something YouTube <laughs> <laughs> under does my horse hurt. Um, yeah, that's it. We have a suspensory course for people who want to learn how to fix that themselves and we're working on other courses. Uh, but basically, if you would like to hop over to whereismyhorsehurt.com, I have um, an email list and it's called 50 Secrets Your Vet Doesn't Know. Oh, and, so basically cool. that's like, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that I didn't know as a veterinarian and then I learned it adding all this other stuff.
0: Nice. So you can
1: start then and then you get all the information you need, hopefully. Yeah. Nice.
0: Sounds good. Oh. Well, yeah. very interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into going over and visiting that website and diving <laughs> into some of this stuff, because I really, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, synergy between what you're yeah. doing and how, you know, well, of course it can help every horse, but I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of nice synergy there. And, uh, I'd love to learn some yeah. of these techniques too. I think that suspensory stuff is just really interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Can have a lot of horses. It's cool.
0: Super. Yeah. Thank you so much. Gosh, Anything you. else you want to share while we're here or... no, I think have you on again. Yeah, I'd love to come on again. And if,
1: if people have questions, we could totally answer those and because I'll go on about horse stories all day. <laughs> um,
0: That's a great idea. So next yeah. time, um, yeah, I'll I'll do a little call out and that would uh, be
1: great. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so anybody who's listening Um, if you go over to my dressage naturally land facebook group it's the group that's open to everybody and um, if you think of questions that pop in your head or if you like this podcast um, you know let me know because i do take requests (laughs) (laughs) and we'll definitely have have renee back thank you great thank you
1: so much it's been awesome thanks everybody for listening
0: (laughs) bye okay bye If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.